We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Away we go, episode 216 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, December 28th, 2021, the day after, the day after, one of the worst losses in the history of the team currently known as the Washington football team. You know, it's funny, if you watched Monday Night Football on, well, Monday night, uh, you saw a team in the New Orleans Saints that has been ravaged by COVID-19 absences, and you thus saw a game that was a joke. But you saw the final score be 23. The Saints lost at home to the Miami Dolphins 23. The Dolphins, by the way, becoming the first team in NFL history with a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak in the same season. But 23, that is a respectable score in a blowout loss, okay? That is getting smashed in a dignified way. There ain't no respectability in 56-14. There ain't no dignity in 56-14. And the truth is that Washington, for its loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night, had back most of the players who had been on the reserve COVID-19 list. But such is life. Washington is 6-9, and Uh, actually got a favorable result in the playoff race on Monday night with the Saints falling to 7-8. and eight. But no, I'm not going to go in-depth on Washington's playoff positioning. Uh, that is not a conversation that I think anyone has an appetite for right now. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. What is the number 29 podcast in the country on Apple Podcasts? in the U.S. football category as of very early 
Tuesday morning as of what time is it right now? 4.09 a.m. on Tuesday. Uh, The category of football podcasts in the United States is what we like to call ultra competitive. And so I thank you very much for having this podcast in the top 30 in the country. And I mean that ultra competitive. Well, the Washington football team, it was not that on Sunday night at the Cowboys. We on this show are going to try, and I stress that word, try, uh, to make sense of what the heck happened on Sunday night at the Cowboys. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon at his day after the game Zoom press conference spoke for 20 plus minutes. You on this show will be hearing every relevant thing that Ron said. He touched on a lot of stuff. Next segment, I'm going to get into the meaning of the loss at the Cowboys. Was this just a bad night? under tough circumstances, or was the loss a sign of something larger? Uh, We also have a DeShazer Everett update. I'll then talk about the Jonathan Allen-Deron Payne sideline scuffle on Sunday night. Ron on Monday talked about the Allen-Payne situation a lot, and I'm going to explore something drastic, but something that more and more is making sense to me. Uh, The notion of Washington breaking up its vaunted defensive line. This is not like a reaction to the Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne situation. This is more a reaction to, okay, you know, Washington has had this defensive line for a while here now. Uh, Where exactly are we with this defensive line and what it has resulted in, in terms of overall team defense? And then I'll give you my thoughts on the latest on Washington's quarterback situation, both in the short term with Ron on Monday saying that Kyle Allen likely will be playing, although not necessarily starting over Washington's final two regular season games, and in the long term with Ron on Monday talking about Washington's upcoming search this offseason for a franchise quarterback. You know, it was almost like a cruel joke. The Washington football team on Monday activated three players off the reserve COVID-19 list. Cole Holcomb, Brandon Sheriff, and Tyler Larson. Now, Larson was placed on the reserve injured list. He suffered that Achilles injury in the loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14. But Holcomb and Sheriff now are back a day late uh, and a dollar short. But Washington's COVID-19 outbreak now is essentially over. Like, all of the key players who had been on that reserve COVID-19 list are back. But, of course, that doesn't matter so much anymore with Washington at 6-9, and nine, and having, per 538.com, as of late night on Monday, a 7% chance of making the playoffs. Yes, there remains a chance, uh, but it's not much of a chance. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jim D on the Washington football team, writes Jim D. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I'm currently on vacation in West Africa, but yet still take time to start my mornings off right with you, sir. But I guess it was a good thing I wasn't able to stream the scrimmage that was Sunday Night Football. I feel like there's something that further adds to your point on the COVID excuse only going so far. Houston, one of the absolute worst teams in the league this year, had around 16 players on the reserve COVID-19 list this past Sunday and still was able to take the playoff contending Chargers to the woodshed. Just pathetic and saddening. It's tough for me to ask, but what do we even make of this Rivera era now? I have been on Ron's side through the good and the bad, but the truth is this team seems to have taken too many steps backwards this season. 
Well, thank you for the email, Jim. Uh, yeah, regarding Ron Rivera, I think it's best not to do like a state of the Ron right after a loss like that debacle at the Cowboys on Sunday night. But as I said on Monday's show, episode 215, you're not a hater if you're asking some serious questions right now. And and I will be talking about this some more. I am asking some serious questions right now. And among those questions is, does it have to be this bad? Like, I get all of the COVID-19-induced absences. I get all of the injuries. Those are both very real things. And I get the larger picture task that is trying to change the culture of this franchise. But do things have to be this bad? You know, things weren't bad at all during the four-game winning streak. That's true. But things have gotten quite bad quickly with this three-game losing streak. And you look at things now, Washington is 6-9 and nine with a point differential of minus 110. Washington has the fourth worst point differential in the NFC. And Washington has allowed the most points in the NFC at 407. Those are facts. I wasn't expecting Washington to go 16-1 and one this season, but I also wasn't expecting Washington through Week 16 to have allowed the most points that any team in the NFC has allowed this season. Do things have to be this bad? Email from Stephen on the Washington football team. Right, Stephen, love the podcast. All I'm going to say is Ron Rivera is not taking this team to where it needs to go. He has three winning seasons in 11 years. Jack Del Rio has more winning seasons as a head coach. I've messaged you before about Scott Turner, and I hope you're coming around to see how ineffective he is at calling plays. In two years at Washington, he's averaging 20 points per game, which is bottom 25% of the league. Just because he sends guys in motion a lot doesn't mean he's creative. If he was creative, he could scheme up runs like Kyle Shanahan and Nick Sirianni or play action pass plays slash RPOs like the Bills, Packers, and Cardinals all do so well. Scott Turner has no scheme, no identity, and no business calling plays in this league. Rod Rivera can't adapt. His style is outdated. He stands on the sidelines with his arms crossed and headset lifted up every time the camera flashes to him. It seems the hire isn't even close to what we thought it would be. I believe when you know, you know, and I know, Ron won't do anything with this team. How much longer do you think Dan will give Ron? When do you think Scott Turner deserves to be fired? Thanks for the email, Stephen. I don't think that Ron is in any danger of being fired this coming offseason. I do think that if things are really bad next season, Ron could be in trouble. Uh, I don't think that it's a given that Scott Turner is back as Washington's offensive coordinator for next season, but I do think that it's more likely than unlikely that he gets at least another season as Washington's offensive coordinator. I think that Ron likes Scott and believes that a lot of the offensive problems this season have been due to injury and absence. And I do think that there is validity to that. As I have said, I actually like a good bit about Scott Turner, but there does come a point at which you have to judge the bottom line results. And yeah, the bottom line results are that Washington has not been a good offensive team over its two seasons with Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. Like at some point, his offenses do need to start producing a lot more. But my sense is that Washington is going to draft a quarterback. And how Scott does with that quarterback next season will go a long way toward determining whether Scott remains as Washington 
offensive coordinator. But I don't think it's fair to just say right now, okay, we know for sure that Scott Turner is a terrible offensive coordinator. You may be at that point. I am not at that point. Well, it remains true that if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a law firm that handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. Paulson and Nace is a D.C.-based family law firm. Paulson and Nace fights for the rights and the futures of victims and their families throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. In fact, founding partner Barry Nace, the late great Barry Nace, is a D.C. legend. Uh, I got an email the other day from a loyal listener of this podcast, Ambassador Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, one of many big shots who listen to this podcast. Ambassador Gutman is the guy who wanted me to do away with proclaiming the episode numbers at the beginnings of each show, although he came up with an interesting compromise. What if I proclaimed season numbers and episode numbers, like in a television show, like in Breaking Bad? I could say, and away we go, it is season three, episode 12 of the Al Galdi podcast. I don't know. Interesting idea. Anything associated with Breaking Bad, I'm intrigued by. Greatest TV show of its kind ever. But anyway, Ambassador Gutman wrote the following of Barry Nace, quote, he was the true dean of the plaintiff's medical malpractice bar. Even when I was a young associate back in the 1980s, he was a DC legend, end quote. Hear, hear. Well, uh, Barry Nace's sons are carrying on that legacy. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. And these guys don't fight each other like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Look, I've known the Naces for 25-plus years. These are good people, smart people who are excellent at what they do. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. When you are injured because of someone else's negligence, you may experience feelings of anger, anxiety, frustration. Choosing the right law firm to help you can be overwhelming. Like, how do you know whom to trust? How do you know that you'll be protected? Well, it's simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. Well, the Washington football team has no more games left in the calendar year of 2021, but the Washington football team does have two games left in its 2021 regular season. By the way, how come the NFL doesn't label its seasons with two years like the NBA and the NHL do? Like this NBA season is the 2021-2022 NBA season. This NHL season is the 2021-2022 NHL season, and yet this NFL season, which is taking place in the calendar years of both 2021 and 2022, is only known as the 2021 NFL season. And the NFL has always operated this way. I don't quite get that because for years we have had, right, NFL games taking place in each of two calendar years in a given season. So, some food for thought for you as we close out 
this calendar year of 2021. But anyway, two games are left in Washington's, yes, 2021 regular season. Uh, Week 17, Washington will play the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1, and I am certain that there will be zero Eagles fans in attendance at that game. Uh, Week 18, Washington will play at the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon, January 9th at 1. Washington now is 6-9. Its realistic playoff hopes are over, uh, thanks to a three-game losing streak that featured, of course, an organizational embarrassment on Sunday Night Football this past Sunday night, a 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys. That was, by the way, the worst loss ever for Washington in a game against the Cowboys. The 42-point loss was Washington's worst loss ever to the Cowboys. The loss was humiliating, okay? I mean, the loss was a complete and thorough beatdown. But the loss, yes, came as Washington has been in the midst of a hellacious last few weeks that have featured A, a major COVID-19 outbreak, B, even more injuries in an already injury-ravaged season for the team, and C, the DeShazer Everett tragedy. These last few weeks for the Washington football team have been like a nightmare. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon did his day after the game Zoom press conference. This was Ron on Monday on whether he thought that a disastrous game like what happened on Sunday night at the Cowboys, was waiting to happen given Washington's COVID-19 outbreak and injury situation? Um, Probably not to this degree. You know, I I was concerned about a letdown. Um, You know, I I thought the the, the big letdown really would have been that first half of the first Dallas game. Uh, But in light of the things that happened and transpired last week, that, that kind of doesn't surprise me, um, unfortunately. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, we had so many guys that went on the list and, and it was crazy because I talked to so many of them when they first went on the list and they all, all they wanted to do was get back. You know, they, look, I, you know, I don't, I felt bad yesterday, but I'm feeling great now. You know, I don't, I'm not coughing. I don't have a, I don't have a runny nose or sore throat. I'm, I'm you know, I have a fever anymore. You know, how come I can't, well, I've got to follow the rules. I mean, I could say 12 guys said that to me, you know, when, when they, when they went on the list and, and a day or two later, they were aching to get back. They, they couldn't wait to get back. They wanted to get, they wanted to play. And, and, and I think part of it was because we, you know, we were still in position. We still had an opportunity going into Philadelphia and, and, and that was the heart. That was probably the hardest one um, because it, it, you know, it happened and when it happened, you know, and, and, and I think that was one of the struggles we had was guys just wanted to get back and, and not being able to get them all back. That was tough. Yeah, and what you heard from Ron in that cut is exactly why the NFL has amended its COVID-19 policy. The NFL on December 18th announced, quote, a more targeted testing plan, end quote, for COVID-19. And the biggest item in the more targeted testing plan for COVID-19 is that individuals who have been fully vaccinated for COVID-19 and are considered asymptomatic of COVID-19 are no longer subjected to weekly testing for COVID-19. The NFL has found that vaccinated and asymptomatic players don't spread the virus. Washington's COVID-19 outbreak helped to enact this change with the NFL's COVID-19 policy. And I do think that this is a change that makes sense. I mean, as I have said, I am not an epidemiologist, okay? I don't profess to be an expert on all of these things. I just go off what I find to be credible things that I read and see and hear. And, you know, COVID-19 isn't going anywhere. We need to figure out ways to function with it while obviously behaving responsibly and behaving in accordance 
with science. Now, the biggest question for the Washington football team off the debacle at Dallas is this. What was this loss? It's a big deal here. What was this loss? Was this loss simply one bad game on one bad night? Or was this loss a sign that the Ron Rivera-led rebuild of the Washington football team is failing? You know, the anger from all of us as fans on Sunday night was palpable. So much of the feedback that I got on Twitter and via email had to do with the game being emblematic of a much larger phenomenon. That phenomenon being Ron Rivera isn't the guy for the job. Now, personally, I'm not ready to say that, but I was furious on Sunday night, and I am asking questions right now. You know, I am, as a fan, evaluating everything. I think that you have to. Uh, It is healthy. It is necessary to question everything with our Washington football team right now. You don't have to doubt everything, but you sure as heck can be questioning everything. Ron Rivera on Monday on whether Sunday night's embarrassing loss was just a bad game or was a sign of Washington heading in a bad direction? No, this is a bad game. This ain't a direction. I'll tell you that right now. Okay? You look at the way we, we, we played the previous two games and, and in our circumstances, and you would say, yeah, that's a hell of an effort. Or at least I would like to believe somebody would look at it and say that was a hell of an effort. Um, but what happened last night, that was disappointing. You know, um, could we have played better? I think so. Could we have done things better? Yeah, I think so. Um, but it didn't happen that way. So we live with it. Yeah, you have no choice. But something that a loss like Sunday nights can do is make you question everything. Uh, like I said, Sunday night's loss has made me question everything. And, you know, I'm not necessarily doubting everything, but I am questioning everything. I'm holding everything up to scrutiny right now with the Washington football team. Ron Rivera on Monday on how to properly evaluate a loss like Sunday night's in terms of the bigger picture. How's our approach? What's our approach got to be? You look at them and you say, you know what, we got to be able to match this, this, and this of who they are, you know, and not having specific people on the field that really amplified it because we couldn't match certain things. Um, So that helps us in terms of giving us – uh, some 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 clarity going forward, saying that hey, you know what? As we you know, eventually going to start preparing for next year, we're going to be able to say now, you know, we did this in Carolina, is that if we're going to compete in this division, we have to have this kind of player to compete. Yeah, we went out, and we got a, we drafted a cornerback, and, and I mentioned it last week, uh, James Bradbury, for the specific reason. Because of Julio Jones mm-hmm. and Mike Evans, you know, and Michael Thomas, you know, that's why you have to go out and have guys like that, you know. With with Terry, you sit there and say, man, we got to make sure that 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 complement is developing. Do we have that complement? You know, what's it going to be like? We can get Curtis back on the field, or Diami does what he did on a consistent basis, like he did last night, going vertical, stretching the middle, and making the catch. That's the type of thing that that's going to help us against a team like this because of who they have. You know, um, I thought some of our, our our corner play yesterday was good. You know, um, I, I know Kendall was 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 had just come back and you know he was he was still working himself back in. But for when Kendall was fresh and what we saw from Daryl Roberts, you sat there and thought, you know, that's not bad. We kept certain things in front of us. Now, where did they hurt us? Well, they hurt us over the middle a couple of times in, in that in that. 
in that middle area behind the linebackers. Yeah. You know, so sitting there thinking, okay, these are things that we have to do. So, David, to your point, yeah, there is something that gives me an aha moment. And then there's some things that I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, we got a few excuses as to what happened. Yeah. Now, I don't want to lean on those, but those that's the truth, too. So, you know, was it as bad? It was bad. But I, I think, you know, honestly, I, I think if certain things were there, it wouldn't have been what, what, what it was last night. Yeah, and I think that Ron's line of thinking in that answer makes a lot of sense. The danger, though, is this. When you are in charge of something and what you're doing truly isn't working, you're often among the last to realize that what you're doing isn't truly working. And the danger that has always been in place with this coach-centric approach is that the checks and balances are minimal, if the checks and balances exist at all. Ron Rivera, right, is the head coach of the Washington football team, and he's in charge of football operations. He is the Don. He is Don Ron. And if his vision is correct, if his way is the right way, then great. There won't be any veering from that vision. But if his vision is incorrect, if his way is not the right way, well, (laughs) who's going to tell him? That's the danger with this entire setup. When you give absolute power to someone, you better be darn sure that that someone who is receiving the absolute power, that the person upon whom the absolute power is being bestowed is someone who is going to excel with that absolute power. Ron Rivera on Monday on what now for the Washington football team off the 56-14 loss at the Cowboys on Sunday night. And you will hear Ron in this cut reference, a Nikki. Uh, that Nikki is Nikki Javala, Washington football team insider for the Washington Post. Um, I get it. We lost. Okay. Hey, I'm going to take responsibility. We got to play better. I know that. We got to coach better. I know that. Um, you know, we'll go back to work and we'll work hard. You know, it, it, you know as, 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 as Nikki, and I appreciate her bringing it up, alluded to, is we've been dealing with a lot of shit. And, and, and so... Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's something that we've got to learn to deal with and handle, uh, and at the same time, be able to go forward and, and, and play, uh, play to our abilities, play to what we're capable of. And, and, and today was, or yesterday was not an indication in my opinion of, of what we're capable of. So there was Ron again, saying the S word, dropping an S bomb. Uh, Ron has had quite the potty mouth. Over the last few days, he, during his postgame press conference late night on Sunday night, dropped two S-bombs. We on Monday got another S-bomb from Don Ron. I love, by the way, how on Twitter, everyone tweets and retweets whenever someone in sports curses. Have you ever noticed that? Like, cussing is a big deal on social media. There were so many tweets and retweets of Ron dropping his S-bombs during his postgame press conference on Sunday night, and of Deron Payne dropping his S-bomb during his postgame press conference on Sunday night. It's like, oh, wow, golly gee, these guys curse just like you and me, you know? I don't know. I just find it funny. The psychology behind why so many people get into people in sports cursing is funny to me. But Ron, of course, isn't wrong about he and his team having been dealing with a lot of S. Uh, but I want to make something clear. Ron doesn't need to be going out of his way to tell us this, okay? We're all well aware of everything that the Washington football team 
has been dealing with in terms of the COVID-19 outbreak and the injuries and the DeShazer Everett tragedy. Ron's got to be careful with bringing all of that stuff up because it can start to sound like excuse making. And Ron, to his credit, is well aware of all of this. In fact, this was Ron on Monday on trying to explain why Washington was so bad in the loss at the Cowboys, but trying not to sound like he's making excuses. Well, you're going to sound like that no matter how I try not to. I mean, but, you know, it's like when you hear somebody rant about, you know, about the way they play. Okay. They quit. They didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to play. No, that's bullshit. Okay. Those guys wanted to play. Those guys did everything they could to get back. Okay. They, t- they got up at five in the morning and went, came here and tested before six o'clock. So their, their specimens can get sent up to the lab and checked. Okay. That tells me those guys want to play. That tells me those guys want to be there. Um, you know, guys wanted to come in and do extra and they weren't able to. Okay. And we told them, Hey, you know, we got to do this virtually when, when, as soon as you get a chance, get in here. And then guys were coming as soon as they could, they were doing their workouts or they were getting, you know, getting in some extra time with their coaches, whatever they could do, they were trying to do and give themselves a chance. You know, um, like last week's a great example. We played on Tuesday. Okay. We get back at two in the morning. And there's really not much you can do with the guys because the coach had a game plan on Wednesday. So we practiced Thursday and Friday. Then we had Christmas on Saturday and then traveled and played. I mean, those were the circumstances. And we try to do the best we can. And, and I thought the guys really tried, you know, and, and I have no issue with the, what happened um, other than we got beat the way we did. I thought the guys showed up. I thought the guys tried. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work our way. No, it did not. Good for Ron for sticking up for his players. I would, though, challenge him just a bit on the whole effort thing. Uh, Washington's effort on Sunday night at times was lacking. Uh, The tackling on the Malik Turner play comes to mind. The final snap of the third quarter, Cooper Rush, a third and six, 61-yard shotgun completion to receiver Malik Turner, who made countless Washington players guilty of missed tackles. Chris Collinsworth of NBC was laughing at the play on the telecast of the game. He tried to count all of Washington's missed tackles on the play. Uh, That was not a banner moment for Washington's effort in that loss at the Cowboys on Sunday night. But by and large, what Ron said in that cut, I do think is true. And what Washington has been dealing with in terms of player availability has been crazy. You know, both things can be true. Washington's performance on Sunday night was unacceptable, but also Washington has been dealing with an absurd situation recently in terms of player availability. Washington on Sunday night was so depleted at linebacker that Washington played David Mayo on every one of the team's defensive snaps. Washington for the loss at the Cowboys was without Cole Holcomb, John Bostic, Jamin Davis, Landon Collins, Kalik Hudson. And so David Mayo on Sunday night played on 100% of Washington's Defensive snaps. Understand, David Mayo had played on just 40 of Washington's defensive snaps the entire 2021 regular season prior to Sunday night. He had just come off the reserve COVID-19 list. David Mayo was on the reserve COVID-19 list from December 13th to December 23rd, and he then played on every one of Washington's defensive snaps in the loss at the Cowboys. How about Daryl Roberts? Daryl Roberts had not played on any of Washington's defensive snaps in the 2021 regular season through week 14, but Roberts in the loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in week 15 played on 100% 
of Washington's defensive snaps. Then Washington on Sunday night was without William Jackson III, Benjamin St. Juice, Torrey McTire. Washington continues to refuse to play Troy Apke on any defensive snaps this regular season. And so Washington's situation at corner made it so that Daryl Roberts in the loss at the Cowboys played on 99% of Washington's defensive snaps. Guys who had not been playing for Washington on defense at all have been asked to become Ironmen because of all of the absences, which of course now include DeShazer Everett. DeShazer Everett on December 23rd, the driver in a fatal one-car crash in Loudoun County that killed the vehicle's passenger, 29-year-old Olivia Peters. Uh, DeShazer was being treated for injuries that were considered serious but non-life-threatening. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday with an update on DeShazer Everett. Um, for the most part, um, I, I, I know he's, um, he's been discharged. Um, he, he did sustain some injuries, and, um, you know, and we'll go from there. That's pretty much the most I know. All right, so good news that DeShazer Everett has been discharged from the hospital. Washington on Christmas Eve placed DeShazer on the reserve non-football injury list. Is there a chance that DeShazer could rejoin Washington over the final few weeks of its regular season, even if for just practices and meetings? More from Ron on Monday. No, no, it's, uh, um, I, you know, without getting into the detail, but I, I, one of his injuries that he has does not allow for it. All right. We still do not know what exactly caused the accident, and we may not know for a while. We'll see. Up next, much more on the Washington football team. The latest off the sideline incident between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne in Sunday night's hideous loss at the Cowboys, including me addressing this question. Is it time for Washington to break up its vaunted defensive line? Well, two games now are left in the Washington football team's regular season, home to the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday afternoon at 1, and then at the New York Giants Sunday afternoon, January 9th at 1. Do not exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find tickets to Washington football team games. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only ticket site that you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. You see, TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. This allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. Don't believe this? Look, if you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And so if you're looking to watch the Washington football team live, in person, down the stretch of the regular season, TickPick has you covered. Again, TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. No more of those ridiculous service fees. Visit TickPick.com slash Galdi right now to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Galdi. That's TickPick.com slash Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, more now on the Washington football team as we continue to uh, sort through the wreckage of the 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. So we had the fight, the scuffle, the skirmish, the dust-up, the incident between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne in the second quarter. Cowboys' fourth offensive drive was an eight-play, 75-yard drive, resulted in running back Ezekiel Elliott's second quarter, third and two, 11-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. It was after this drive that Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen got into a scuffle on the Washington sideline as Deron put a finger in Jonathan's face, and Jonathan threw a punch at Duran. Jonathan Allen, Duran Payne, and Ron Rivera all addressed the incident via post-game press conferences late night on Sunday night. Personally, I don't view the fight as necessarily meaning that Jonathan Allen and Duran Payne hate each other. I do think that there's plenty of validity to the idea that this is like brothers fighting. But at the same time, I think you're being naive if you don't think that the fight was a big deal. And if you are completely dismissing even the possibility that the fight was indicative of some larger problems on Washington's defense. Uh, This has been a very strange season for this Washington defense. It was very good last season. The defense was hyped to the moon this past offseason. The defense was really bad during Washington's 2-6 and six start to this regular season, then was much better over the next five games, but now has been back to being really bad over the last two games. Now, the COVID-19 outbreak for the Washington football team and injuries for the Washington football team have played roles in the recent decline of the Washington football team's defense, but you also have had a lot of weird stuff with this Washington football team defense this season, especially with the defensive line. You know, everything that has gone on with Chase Young and Montez Sweat from their lack of impact to Ron Rivera calling those players out to the defense being so much better without those guys during that five-game stretch of quality play. Now you have this sideline fight between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne on national television, two Alabama guys, two Bama skins who Washington took in the first rounds of back-to-back NFL drafts. Uh, Something has been off with this Washington defense this season. And so while the Jonathan Allen-Duran Payne incident isn't that big of a deal in and of itself, the incident is a big deal in that it is a part of this overall disappointing season for a much-hyped Washington defense, especially a much-hyped Washington defensive line. Now, Jonathan Allen has been great this season, but Duran Payne has been mixed. You know, some games good, other games invisible. Rod Rivera, at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon on the Jonathan Allen-Duran Payne dust-up on Sunday night. 
I talked to both of them afterwards and had an individual conversation and I'll talk with them again. But for the most part, you know, these guys have known each other for eight years. They played together collegiately, played together professionally. And there's a lot of pride. Um, and there was a lot of frustration yesterday. Um, and things do tend to boil over. Um, I've been part of this before as a player. I've seen it happen on the sidelines as a coach, as a position coach. I saw it happen. Saw it happen in Philadelphia. I saw it happen in Chicago as a coordinator. Saw it happen in San Diego as a coordinator. And then I had it happen to me a couple of times in Carolina. I had it happen between two of our defensive linemen, um, um, Charles Johnson and 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 uh, Greg Hardy. Uh, I saw it happen between Cam Newton and uh, Josh Norman. Um, you know, and it's something that, you know, guys tend to work out amongst themselves, uh, you know, without having to be told. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciated when I was in Carolina, I had players come to me and tell me, we got this. You don't need to address it. You know, um, so I didn't. In this case, I went to the two guys just because who they are. And, and, and it happened so early, <laughs> to be honest. Usually something like this happens in a few more years, but th this happened early. So I went and talked to them both just so they both understand, you know, where they are, who they are, and what they mean to us as football players. All right. Interesting nugget from Ron Rivera toward the end of that cut saying that, quote, it happens so early, end quote, and that, quote, usually something like this happens in a few more years, end quote. What did Ron mean by that? Well, because when... You know, when, when, when you're here together, you compete, you compete, you compete, and, you know, you build that up, and then it continues. And after a while, um, the competing, you know, really just brings out the real true competitiveness of, of, of who they are. I, man, maybe I should have expected because they've been playing together for as long as they have, you know. So, um, but my point just being is that when, when guys are around each other for a long time, you know, they, they expect certain things from each other and they challenge each other a little bit. and Sometimes it gets a little bit out of hand. And it definitely got out of hand on Sunday night. So how do Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne move on? More from Ron Rivera on Monday. The biggest thing more than anything else is the, the guys have to understand, they, they, you know, that, that this has to be something that, you know, that has to, uh, you, have to you have to set aside. Sure, it happened, you know, during a game. But... It happened because of the passion of the game. It happened because of uh, the frustrations that come out. You know, um, I, I'd rather see them frustrated. I'd rather see them passionate about playing the game than, okay, yeah, whatever, and then move on. Um, I think that's probably, you know, to a degree, a good thing. Um, but you really don't want, you know, want it to be like that, uh, from what I understand. From what? I understand. It sounded there like Rod Rivera still hadn't actually seen what happened between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, right? So Allen and Payne both went to Alabama and thus rarely lost games in college. But each guy has experienced a whole lot of losing <laughs> as a member of the Washington football team. Does Rod Rivera worry about the long-term impact of losing and what frustrations from losing can boil into? Well, that's probably the big part of it. I mean, and again, that comes all the way back to what I said to you guys earlier about maturity is learning how to deal and cope with it. You know, and as I said, the biggest thing from, from one of the questions I got asked earlier is, 
Um, you know, are you worried about losing the way we did? I am, but it, to me, it, the more important thing is how we respond. You know what I'm saying, Nikki? I mean, if we don't learn from it, if we don't understand exactly what it means and all that stuff, um, then it's a waste of time. It, it's like it's like winning. Winning hides a lot of things. Winning masks a lot of things. Um, you know, and 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 you have to really pay attention then to figure it out. But losing, it's right in your face. So if you don't learn from it, if if it doesn't stand out to you, then you you've really wasted that opportunity. And so to me. There's a lot of things that are evident. When I put the tape on, you watch it, you look at it, you know. Um, granted, we got some, some, some new guys out there, some guys in different positions. Um, but, you know, some of the things that were really good, you sit there and go, man, you know, God, we just put that together. And then things that were really bad, oh, we, we can't do that. We, you know, we got to be better at that. We got to be more disciplined than that. Or, you know what, I should have called that. That's what we should have done in that in that instance. So it, it's a chance to learn and grow. Yeah, I mean these are the hard knocks, you know. And, and I'm a uh, I'm I'm gonna still align from from you know from uh, a league of their own. It's hard, but that's what makes it great is that it's hard. And I think that's the thing that we all have to understand. The hardest is 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 the development, the growth, taking your lumps. You know, you're gonna get dragged through the gravel once in a while if you fight. But again, do you dust yourself off? Do you get up? And then you go after them. You know, that, that's what our mentality has to be. And that's why to me, you know, Nikki, to your point on Wednesday, that, that's exactly what's coming out. I mean, it, it's going to be a challenge. And it's going to be a challenge to them. It's going to be a challenge to us and how we handle ourselves. You know, and, and, and quite honestly, it'll also be a great opportunity to evaluate our mental toughness individually and as uh, collectively as a team just to see how we respond. You know, um, there's a glim, a, a, a sliver of hope, you know, and, and we'll see if that's enough to get everybody motivated to play. And, and it's going to tell me a lot about who we are and who we have. Well, who Washington is, is a 6-9 and nine football team with a point differential of minus 110. Who Washington also is, is a football team that has allowed an NFC worst 407 points this season. No team in the NFC this season has allowed more points than the Washington football team has allowed. I do wonder about this. Are we reaching a point at which Washington needs to break up this defensive line? Not because the defensive line is terrible, because I don't believe that to be the case. But because Washington has overinvested in its defensive line, Washington went from having like no true quality defensive linemen to spending a first round pick in each of four consecutive NFL drafts on a defensive lineman. 2017, Jonathan Allen. 2018, Deron Payne. 2019, Montez Sweat. 2020, Chase Young. And while Washington's defensive line was really good last season, that is the only season during this stretch in which you can say that the Washington defensive line truly has been very good. And so you take a step back and I think you got to ask the question, uh, what exactly are we doing here? Okay. The Washington football team this past April 27th announced that the team had exercised the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of Duran Payne. So Payne is under contract 
through the 2022 season. What is the long-term plan here with Deron Payne? Is Washington going to pay him big money via a long-term contract as Washington now is doing with Jonathan Allen? Uh, Allen is proving himself to be worth that big money long-term contract. Is Payne worth a big money long-term contract? I have my doubts about that. Deron Payne is good, but he's not consistently great. And so if you're wishy-washy about paying Deron Payne and you're over-invested in your defensive line, then trading Deron Payne this offseason would make sense. And look, I'm not just trying to get rid of Deron Payne for anything, but I do think this is the way that Ron Rivera needs to be thinking. He needs to be entertaining something like trading away Deron Payne. This Jonathan Allen-Deron Payne incident to me shines a spotlight on an uncomfortable truth. This defense isn't working. Forget about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, whether they get along, etc. You know, that moment on national television in a game in which Washington's defense was putrid really crystallized this. This Washington defense isn't working. This loading up on defensive linemen thing hasn't worked beyond one season, which was last season, and that was a season in which Washington feasted on a bunch of bad quarterbacks. There has been so much talk about Washington at the quarterback position, and justifiably so. But to me, there has not been nearly enough talk about Washington's defense, especially considering that Washington has spent all of these first-round picks on defensive players and all of this money on defensive players, and yet still doesn't have a very good defense. And how Washington moves forward with its defense, I think, is going to be a big storyline this offseason for the Washington football team. Well, speaking of the Washington football team at the quarterback position, things are not going well for Taylor Heineke right now. Things are not going well for our guy Tay-Tay right now. Uh, Tay-Tay is in a bad way right now? Has the bloom come off the rose? Has the carriage turned back into a pumpkin? Taylor Heineke's last two games have been his worst two games as a Washington quarterback, and each of these two games has been a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. So ESPN's total QBR stat is on a scale of 0 to 100. Taylor Heineke in Washington's 27-20 loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14 had a total QBR per ESPN of 5.5. Taylor Heineke in Washington's 56-14 loss at the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in Week 16 had a total QBR per ESPN of 4.0. These total QBR numbers were as of games through Sunday because total QBR numbers can change because they are opponent-adjusted. But Bottom line is this, Taylor Heineke over his last two games, a combined, a combined total QBR per ESPN of 9.5. That is horrendous. For comparison's sake, Taylor Heineke in Washington's 27-21 win at the Carolina Panthers in week 11 had a total QBR per ESPN of 91.7, which is sensational. Rod Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon on what he thought of Taylor Heineke's performance in the loss at the Cowboys 
on Sunday night upon having watched the tape of the game, as gory as that tape was. I thought Taylor missed some opportunities. Um, I, I do think he got a little bit rattled and started throwing off his back leg a couple times. He had a couple opportunities that, that I know that if he could have you know, really stood tall in there, he, he'd, have, he'd have completed those. Um, the very first throw um, was, 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 was unfortunate because he had Terry. If he could have put that out to the sideline, I think Terry makes that play. I, I think that's a big play. Um, unfortunately, he hung it out, and it, and it stayed more to the middle. I mean, if that ball gets to the sideline, it's either a big catch for Terry or it's incomplete. And you heard Ron and Matt Cut mention Taylor Heineke throwing off his back leg. Uh, Taylor Heineke has been guilty of that a lot. In fact, that might be the single biggest problem that Taylor Heineke has as a quarterback, throwing off his back leg, throwing off his back foot. You know, people get fixated on Taylor Heineke's lack of arm strength, his lack of accuracy, his lack of height. And I guess these things can be tied together. But if he just did a better job of stepping into his throws, I think that his results would be a lot better. Now, of course, it's easy to sit here and say that, you know, say that he needs to step into his throws more. It's a different story when you have Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory coming at you with the purpose of destroying you. I understand that. Uh, Rod Rivera, during his postgame press conference late night on Sunday night, said that Taylor Heineke being benched for the fourth quarter in favor of Kyle Allen was a Sunday night thing and not a sign that Kyle Allen could be Washington starting quarterback for this Sunday afternoon's game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field at 1. Ron on Monday was asked if he had any other thoughts on benching Taylor Heineke in favor of Kyle Allen. No, I, I think, again... Um, will we play Kyle? Probably. But we're going to stick with Taylor right now. But will we play Kyle? Probably. You know, and, and, and not as an indictment of Taylor or anything like that, but just that, uh, you know, we also want to make sure we get a really good look at Kyle. Okay. Uh, Ron then got asked to be more specific about what could be coming with Kyle Allen. Would Kyle playing over the course of Washington's final two regular season games be in a relief role or in a starting role? We'll see. We'll see. But right now, we're going to start. We'll start uh, Taylor against Philadelphia, and we'll see. We'll see. So, Ron Rivera was rather vague in that response, but he made it pretty clear that he likely will be playing Kyle Allen at least some over Washington's final two regular season games. Now, I'll be honest with you, all right? I love talking quarterbacks. That might be my single most favorite thing to talk about in sports, but. I don't think that it matters much who plays quarterback for Washington over these final two regular season games. It certainly doesn't matter in terms of the outcomes of these games, okay? I mean, at this point, Washington, truth be told, is better off losing these final two regular season games and winning either one of these final two regular season games. But when it comes to the future, man, I think that the die has been cast, okay? Washington is going to be going hard after a potential franchise quarterback this coming offseason. Any notion of Taylor Heineke potentially being Washington's franchise quarterback has been severely lessened by his performances over his last two games, these two games against the Cowboys, and also has been severely lessened by just his very up and down season overall. I like so much about Taylor Heineke. I have never been one of these people who has been dismissive of Taylor Heineke, like so many others have been dismissive of Taylor Heineke. And his good has been quite good. Like, his good has been great, but his bad has been awful. 
Uh, Taylor Heineke has been a high-variance quarterback this season, and he, to me, absolutely should be back on Washington next season. He is under contract for next season for, like, no money, and if somehow this works out to where Taylor Heineke ends up killing it as Washington's starting quarterback next season, then great. But the Washington football team needs to aim higher in terms of a starting quarterback, needs to try to get itself a true stud franchise quarterback. Now, speaking of that, the final question that Ron Rivera got asked at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday was how much the offseason changes that Washington made to its front office were geared toward this never-ending quest for Washington to find a franchise quarterback. Washington last offseason, right, hired Martin Mayhew as general manager, hired Marty Herney as executive vice president of football slash player personnel, hired Chris Polian as director of pro personnel, and promoted Eric Stokes to senior director of player personnel. Were all of those changes to Washington's front office ultimately about Washington finding itself a franchise quarterback? Here was Ron on Monday. I think it's part of it. You know, it's a big part of it, to be honest, because the biggest thing, and it was one of the first questions that that I was able to get answered when I, I got the job in Carolina. One thing that Marty Herney and I did together was we, we sat there and we said, we have to be able to identify who our franchise quarterback is. Okay. We were fortunate. We had the number one pick. You know, and, and, and you want to point to it and sit there and say, well, look what's happened in Cincinnati when they had the number one pick. You know, you, you, you're able to answer that question right away. Um, so is that something that we want to do now? Yeah, almost certainly. You, you want to be able to say that, you know, when we, get, when we get into next season that we feel we have who that guy's going to be. That gives you a chance. That really does. You look at the teams that, that are all right there in the race and you sit there and you can say that. You said, look at who they have. You know, and, and, and right now, the, 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 the most obvious one, um, you know, you sit there and you, you, you point at Green Bay, you point at Tampa Bay, you know, uh, and you say, look, look, look at who those guys are. I mean, those guys are future Hall of Famers. Those guys are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. You know, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you know, and you could say that's what you want to be able to be in that situation set of circumstances, because that helps a lot that that really puts you into a great position. Um, now you can continue to, to build and implement and put players around it and go from there. So to your point, Nikki, yeah, a lot of that was that in mind. And and we'll see what happens this offseason, you know, because again, there's there's gonna be a lot of there's a lot of questions obviously at, at that position. Um, and there's a lot of things that are going to be happening this 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 offseason, uh, whether it's on our roster uh, through free agency or through the draft. Yeah, and I do believe that the draft is the most realistic means by which Washington could acquire a franchise quarterback this offseason. Why in the world would one of the disgruntled franchise quarterbacks out there, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, want to come to Washington given the season that Washington is having. Those guys want to go to teams that are ready to win big now. Washington is not ready to win big now. That's one of the biggest fails of this 2021 Washington football team season, by the way. This idea of building up everything around the quarterback position so that once you get your franchise quarterback, you're off and running. uh, That idea has not worked out, okay? The defense mostly has been a flop. 
The offensive skill position players have not materialized. There is a lot of building up around the quarterback position that still needs to be done by the Washington football team. And I know that this 2022 NFL draft quarterback class isn't thought to be great by the experts, but I also know that the experts are wrong a lot. And it's hard for me to believe that every one of the quarterbacks who will be taken in the 2022 NFL draft is going to end up being a bad NFL quarterback. Like, there probably will be a good one or two or more NFL quarterbacks out of this 2022 NFL draft quarterback class. But there's no doubt, Washington needs to get a franchise quarterback. And honestly, not just for football reasons, but if we're being blunt about things, for marketing reasons, okay? For business reasons. How is Washington going to sell tickets to games at FedEx Field for next season without doing something major and exciting at the quarterback position this offseason? You think that crowds at FedEx Field are bad this season? Imagine next season with the same cast of characters. And I say that meaning no disrespect to our guy Tay-Tay, all right? Taylor Heineke has done a lot of good this season. And if you're going to be fair about Taylor Heineke, he recently has been working with a shell of an offense. Uh, That needs to be emphasized in any objective evaluation of Taylor Heineke. Washington's offense for so much of this season, right, has been without Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel and J.D. McKissick and Samuel Cosme and Brandon Sheriff and on and on we can go. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday on how he evaluates Washington's offense this season, given all of the injuries and absences this season. Well, I think, you know, you're looking at the, you look at it to me, you look at from a global perspective, what does this mean for us going forward as well? You know, one thing that we talk about is, 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 is positional flex and depth. That I think is what's real important. Um, you know, you want to build your offensive defensive lines, in my opinion. You want to be able to have quality depth so that if you ever do get into a situation like we've got into, you can feel as if you have pieces still there that, that, that allow you to continue to function and compete. You know, big players, physical players, athletic players, all rolled into one on your offensive defensive line, give you a chance to be competitive. And yes, Ron, in that cut, for the first time in a while, uh, gave us his phrase that pays. You know, one thing that we talk about is, 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 is positional flex and depth. That, I think, is what's real important. Yes, Ron, position flex. It had been a while. I thought that maybe you forgot. But, of course, you would never forget. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 217, will feature a special guest, Barry's Verluga, columnist for the Washington Post. They'll talk Washington football team with Barry as he just wrote a column asking an uncomfortable but necessary question. Two years in, how much better off is Washington? under Ron Rivera. Also on the show, post-game, the Wizards game on Tuesday night. The Wizards will be at the Miami Heat Tuesday night at 7.30. COVID-19 permitting, uh, I tell you, the Wizards and the Capitals are having all kinds of COVID-19 issues right now. I won't bombard you with everything just because I feel like everyone is so sick of all of the COVID stuff, but the Wizards, the Capitals, the Washington football team, all of those teams have been dealing uh, with the virus a lot lately, uh, just like 
the entire world. Heck, Georgetown hasn't played since December 18th and won't be playing for a while. Uh, The Big East on Monday announced that the conference has canceled the Hoyas home game against St. John's on New Year's Day due to COVID issues within both programs and has canceled the Hoyas home game against number 23 Xavier on January 4th due to COVID issues within the Georgetown program. Although thankfully, the Big East now is trying to reschedule canceled games. Also, Virginia Tech basketball is having COVID-19 problems. The ACC on Monday announced that the Hokies game at North Carolina this Wednesday has been postponed due to Virginia Tech being in COVID protocols. Now, we still do have Virginia Tech football's bowl game against Maryland. Uh, And so, on Wednesday's show, I'll have a Goldilocks selection for you for Maryland versus Virginia Tech in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday afternoon at 2.15. Hopefully, that game doesn't get canceled due to COVID-19 like so many other bowl games have gotten canceled so far. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Um, I get it. We lost. Okay. Hey, I'm going to take responsibility. We got to play better. I know that. We got to coach better. I know that. Um, you know, we'll go back to work and we'll work hard. You know, it, it, you know, as, 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 as Nikki, and I appreciate her bringing it up, alluded to, is we've been dealing with a lot of shit.